Welcome to this One Time at Summer Camp, a podcast about summer camp. Here with me today, we've got our usual co-host, Peter. Hey, how's it going? And joining us today as well, we have Diesel, who I just learned when the Zoom call name popped up. His first name is actually Dave. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I always forget most people uh, don't know me as Dave, so, um, or at least my camp friends. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Dave Hennessy, nice to talk to you. Good to yeah, see you again. It's been, it's been years, Nick. It, it has been years, and before then, never. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Going all the way back, never. Absolutely. Uh, well, so, you know, today we're going sort of back to a bit of an interview. We've got Diesel on. And uh, unlike Peter, I actually don't think I know Diesel that well. Uh, I would say I maybe know him a little bit better than you do, Nick. Uh, Diesel is a summer camp professional. He is a mentor, a role model, a leader, all-round legend, badass dude. Ah, thanks. Thanks, Pete. Uh, Overblown just a little bit, but um, yeah, I I am all of those things. I think I'm underselling you, if anything. <laughs> yeah, we all know each other from working at Camp uh, Moose Knuckle. Um, that was... <laughs> what, is, it, is, was, is that not what it was? Moose Jaw? Yeah. Uh, uh, you're, you're so close. Um, Camp Moose Pine. Oh, Moose Pine. Moose Pine. I, yeah. I, like, that, I like that pine part in there. Uh, pine oh, pine yeah. forever, baby. Yeah, let's go. Absolutely not. But, um, <laughs> you know, when we uh, made the random camp name generator, uh, we were trying to think of like a hundred just different words that were like camp related. Mm. But when you said moose knuckle, like that kind of sounds right. Not in the context of a summer camp name, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. An adult summer camp. Of- Nick, do you know moose knuckle is like a synonym for camel toe? I did not. Okay, you do now. <laughs> well, oh, wow, there you go. This is this is the cultural barrier we're dealing with. Well, we are representing three different countries right now. Well, you you guys are both in Australia right now, though, right? Uh, so we are recording this from Australia. I'm Australian. Pete's from England. Mm. Diesel, you're from uh, what is it? USA. USA. Yes. Some some people say et et stays. Um, but yes, I'm here in the Utsa, in, in Utah, actually, specifically. <clears throat> well, before we really get into it, I feel like I really want to point out, uh, we've, got, we've got Diesel on a Zoom call, so we can see him, he can see us, and he has got a number of bracelets on his wrist right now. Oh yeah, that harkens back to uh, your friendship bracelet episode. Uh, you know, I, Absolutely. I, yeah, I got to collect them up. Um, and now that I have a job that is specifically just summer camp, uh, I don't know when I'm going to take them off until they get super natty and yucky and gross. Um, but yeah, it's been a pretty successful summer when it comes to friendship bracelets. I got to say, uh, somebody said that the max was what, six or seven and I'm rocking, rocking six in a silicone bracelet here. I think that's what I said. (laughs) I don't agree with that. As many as you can. (laughs) I don't know. Get the get get that full forearm tan going where it blocks off wrist to elbow. No, you know, thank you. I, I I feel like I got to bring something up, and this is a little bit more serious. And uh, though I try and keep it jokey, this summer more than any other, we seem to be employing more and more staff um, that wear as many bracelets and wristbands as they can. 
uh, because they are tired of kids asking them about their cutting scars. And so Heavy. week one, you come in and they were the counselors and they had short sleeves on. You could see where, for whatever reason, they were, they had been or were cutters, like would cut their arms. And I've talked to a couple of them about it because they're tired of kids asking them about it. Um, yeah, that's hectic. Man. Yeah, that took a much darker turn. Than I, I know, I apologize, going. but I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it. Now I realize yeah, this is probably not the not the right venue to share some of these weird kind of experiences. Anyway, so that's it. Um, it's been super fun talking to you guys. Um, hope you have a good rest of your life. And uh, sorry that, that you just edit that part out if you want. Cut, 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 cut. So I, we just um, introduce you, mention that you wear bracelets, and then we'll just do the outro. Hmm. Um, I might ask a question if if that's all right uh, in this interview format podcast. That makes sense. We'll, we'll yeah. get into that. I guess if you have to. Okay, it, first question for you, Diesel, is: Can you just give us a rundown of your summer camp experience? Like, what have you kind of been doing since birth? You know, <laughs> and how does that relate to <laughs> summer camp? So let's see, In uh, when I needed a job come sophomore year of college, summer came along, I worked as a day camp counselor. That was 20 years ago, actually 21 years ago at this point. The following year, I became day camp director, and that's about the time when the backup plan of working for this nonprofit organization uh, became the main plan. So I have worked... Uh, with camps with this organization in Cincinnati, Ohio, New Jersey, New Hampshire, New York, Virginia, and now in Salt Lake, Utah. So in my case, uh, I ended up eventually becoming executive director of a very large uh, day camp. It sat on 100 acres, uh, a former sleepaway camp, Um, and we had 650 people um, including about 100 staff, but still 550 kids um, every day during the summertime. Until Utah here, where I have uh, seven different sites, probably still not up to 550 yet, but I was brought up here to be a fixer, uh, turn things around, improve program quality, and ultimately grow the program. So ideally, as the program grows and as the association, as it's called here, um, grows, then uh, I'll also grow in my responsibilities, hopefully be a vice president of uh, camping someday. Um, <laughs> of all camping. Of all camping in the entire world. If someone gets a tent out of the garage, you've got a say in it. Um, You're kicking in fly screens being like, pay up. <laughs> <laughs> this is intense. I know it is, but I need the money. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I have, uh, I used to have huge, big dreams and goals. Uh, I worked very actively for a while trying to start my own summer camp. Um, so that business still exists, but the initial product that I put together, um, there was no market for it, uh, where I was at the time. Um, so that's, that's a big bummer. Um, hopefully someday I'll still be able to start my own summer camp and then I'll call you and I'll be like, all right, Nick, come on, Pete, time to go. And we'll go meet on the island in Belize, and we'll start our summer camp, and it'll be awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. I feel like Belize is exactly where I want to run a camp. Yeah, that's the dream. I have two questions about this uh, Belizean camp we're going to run. Number one, what is the role you would assign for myself and Pete? And two, 
Uh, is there going to be like a cocktail bar on camp <laughs> for staff? <clears throat> so here, here's the, here's the uh, you want the real answer? Here's the real answer. Number one, I don't care what you do. Just come and do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, if you want to sail all day, uh, I don't care. That's fine. Take, take a couple kids with you. Um, and I'm going to bring my, my best friend JP down from New Hampshire and he's a painter. Um, and I'm just going to tell him just to paint all the time. Just paint or don't paint. paint I don't care. Just drink pina coladas or whatever. (laughs) Um, but so, yes. So here's my greatest idea. Right. And I copy, this is copyright diesel because it's such a good idea. What it is, is yes, we'll have a summer camp. But, like, on the other side of the island or on, like, the neighboring island, we'll also have, like, an adult resort. So the parents can fly down, drop the kids off with us. We go do normal summer camp stuff and have a blast. And the parents walk around to the other side, and they just go get blasted all day or come, you know, go sailing or something like that. Um, So that's where the cocktail bar is. Absolutely. That's the one we can call Camp Moose Knuckle. (laughs) Yes! Oh, my God. See, it's all coming together. This is perfect. What's one of your earliest summer camp memories, like from the days you first started working at a summer camp? So the absolute first memory that I have or that I can remember far back from summer camp, I adamantly... Do you remember what year this was? Yeah, so this would have been 2002. I adamantly refused to sing camp songs. I thought it was embarrassing. (laughs) I couldn't get silly. And uh, my director at the time pulled me into the office and she said, uh, Dave, you have to do it. And I said, well, I don't want to do it. It's so stupid. And she was like, if you don't do it, you, you can't work here. It's part of the job. And one of my first real memories is the supervisor saying, you have to go sing camp songs. So, yeah, that, that was my first summer. And I keep more in touch with the people from that from that camp. Um, than I do any of my other camps. Uh, That's life. I don't know. I think a very relatable story is what you just told about, like, you got to camp, these people are singing these, like, almost like nursery rhyme, dumb things, and you don't want to jump up there, sing these songs, and, like, do the dances. Because, you know, sometimes I think we all come in with just a bit of pride, uh, and, you know, camp just completely takes that away. Uh, But in a good way. Uh, I remember there's one song that we used to do at camp called Froggy. And God, like to this day, every fiber of my being hates doing that song. <laughs> I literally did that last week. Like sang that song for a group of kids. I had some like year year three to year six kids. So oh, I, don't, I don't even know what age that is. But yeah, some some pretty young kids. Hey, they were loving it. But that's the thing, even though like you feel it, it takes some time, right, to get over that kind of self-conscious feeling of being an idiot and making yourself kind of vulnerable in that way, you know? I I would say yes, but I feel like this is also the appropriate time to point out that at uh, Moose Pine, uh, a lot of people got over that feeling by going down the wet willy with uh, no clothes on. Um <laughs> <laughs> Standing up, going down the wet willy without any swim trunks on. Uh, that was um, not me. I'll get up and sing every day. I have no no desire to, A, bear my belly or my Johnson. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I really do need to clarify that the wet willy is a giant slide. Water slide. Yeah. No context, you know, just 
going down the wet willy butt ass naked. Uh, <laughs> oh, if if we ever make it uh, popular enough, maybe we'll get a no context uh, this one time at summer camp pod. Yeah, <laughs> and that can that can be clipped out of it. Yeah, I made it a point to um, just to have beers by myself in my house while everyone else was drinking and doing shenanigans. So I, I can't speak to it personally. I, I suppose that's maybe an aspect um, I'd be intrigued to talk to you about because as I too want to follow in your footsteps and move up the kind of camp hierarchy, there obviously comes a time where you move into a position of responsibility where you're further removed from the kids and, and from the counsellors. Like, how did you find that when you kind of made that leap? So I think that it is a bit of... It is what you make it. So I'll start first with um, with the kids. When I first started working as a director, so my second year, there was plenty of time to do my job and then also like hang out with the kids. I found as I continue to work in, in management of summer camps that it's well accepted that people of my position anywhere along the chain of command spend as much time as they want to with the kids. Now, what I've come to realize is that the camps of which I've spent less time with the kids are also the same camps that I did not have much fun in or felt very successful in. Quite frankly, mm. Camp Camp Moose Knuckle, uh, I'm sorry, Moose Pine, um, <laughs> I did not see the kids very often, um, which A, made it a worse experience, but B, I also felt dejected in what uh, what I was doing at that camp. Um I ended up spending a bunch of time with you, Pete, which was great. And us developing yeah. that relationship was awesome. Um, but, of course, relationships with staff uh, are different than the relationships with, with the kids. But I found each and every time that it that it, when it hasn't been a good match with me in the camp, I don't end up spending much time with the kids. Um, as I say that, it's probably because I hate to I, I hate leaving camps. And I know in those cases that I don't want to develop a relationship with, with a family uh, that I'm going to have to leave right away. Um, so, various camps for you. It's just like a, the dating world. <laughs> it has you know, you become just don't get that. that connection. <laughs> it has become that. It didn't start out to be that way, and I didn't want it to be that way. Um, but yeah, I would say that I've I've worked at 14 different locations of this this nonprofit organization that I work for. Um, and I moved around so much in 20 years simply because most of them didn't have very good leadership. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty good comparison. Uh, don't worry, Diesel. There's always plenty of camps in the sea. <laughs> and then I would say, so with with staff, um, so as a young staff member, a lot of people supervise with relationships and like try to be friends with their staff in order to get them to go do things. And I was certainly no different as a young supervisor. Um, and I think so as you make the wrong choices, um, and you are held accountable for that, then, um, you start moving away from staff and away from situations that will endanger, uh, potentially endanger your career. Um, so when I was a young staff member, I got caught drinking with the staff on camp property we have huge bonfires that we shouldn't have had. We're like like thirty foot bonfire, just massive. Um, just just Heck you know b- b- bad choices. And ultimately, the the one that really 
um, got me to say no and really stop hanging out very socially with the staff. We had a staff banquet, as they called it, at the end of the year. Um, the staff uh, themselves, not the not the organization, they would rent out a ballroom in a hotel, and then everybody would get hotel rooms. And it became very apparent uh, after that first year that everybody was drinking, including our CITs that were showing up, the junior counselors, so you're 17, uh, all manner people were just getting sloshed. So the first year I left early, uh, second year I made up an excuse uh, not to go, and then the third year uh, we created a formal awards uh, program, and then the staff still went off and had their banquet um, and did their thing, but I said I didn't want to know anything about it, I don't approve of this, and I can't hang out with you guys when you're doing that. You really yeah. get to deal with the fun conversations at that level, right? Like it's, um, like when I was the boys' head counselor, you know, um, the kids I had to go and see regularly were not the ones who were the, being the golden children. It was the ones who were having issues or causing issues. Exactly. Which can I can I give you a couple of examples of that? That Pete, this is reminiscing for you and I, Nick. I, I maybe you heard about these, but maybe not. But yeah. uh, some of the fondest memories I have from um, my time at Moose Pine were when uh, the dummy was racing into town and flipped his car. Um, and then there was the chick that really wanted to quit. And she just couldn't handle being a counselor. I think, I think that was the, the, the main issue. So I and the girl's head, we were trying to talk her down and convince her that she wanted to stay. Um, and she wasn't sure that she did. She ended up going and spending time in the, in the infirmary. And she, while there, she was there, there were more shenanigans. Something happened. I don't know. And we ended up deciding, okay, well, we're not going to fight her anymore. We want her to go. So yeah. we went back and talked to her and told her she, it was time to go. And she immediately flipped. And said that no, she had to stay. She was going to stay. She was going. It was going to be fine. <laughs> she didn't really want to go. It's like she she got smacked in the face with this idea that she couldn't stay, and mm. uh, and realized how what a big problem that was going to be. Anyway, the executive director, the big boss at that location, he ended up coming in and telling her no, she had to go get all of her stuff, and he was going to drive her to the bus stop because that was standard procedure for when an international got fired. And somehow she talked him into dropping her off at a McDonald's. Anyway, <laughs> while she was there, she got a hold of a marker and a big piece of cardboard and said, <laughs> and she wrote on it and was standing in the drive-thru line saying that she had been abandoned by Camp Moose Pine um, <laughs> and that she needed help. <laughs> so... One of the camp parents that lived in town ended up calling and talking to the exec and was like, hey, this <laughs> this is what's going on. She's up here with this sign. Uh, you might want to come check it out. So anyway, so the exec drove up there again, had more conversations, and I don't know what happened. I guess took her to the bus stop and told her to cut that out or whatever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. <laughs> like you couldn't make it up. We definitely should have been writing a book. About our, the experiences there. Uh, do you know what I appreciated, Diesel? After you left Camp Moosepine, you gave me a copy of a key that you got cut for someone's golf cart. 
So, uh, yes, yes. And I might have used it once or twice uh, because said person kept um, like removing their keys from the golf cart so no one could borrow it. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> I didn't do it too much, not to raise suspicion, but they were like, <laughs> how did my golf cart move? Like, why? <laughs> I have the keys. Uh, yeah, real funny. I had no idea. G- going back to something... There was one particular week where all of all of our beds were filled, basically, in boys' camp. And we were also short-staffed on the boys' side. So we wanted to have two boys in each cabin, which is the usual go-to. But we only had enough so that five cabins would only have had one staff member. So we had five of the leadership staff go into uh, and, like, take half of a cabin. We had one of the... Admin staff in charge of water, one of the admin staff in charge of land. Uh, I took a cabin, and then you took a cabin, and that was just a funny time. <laughs> it was it's one of those situations where you're like, okay, this is crazy, but also it's kind of fun to be in those like wild environments. And the specific memory I'm thinking of is you were like, you had like sent your kids to bed, Lights were turned off and stuff. And like as they were going to sleep, you were there telling them a story. And I came in and I was sitting there listening to the story that you were telling. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool story. Like, I can't remember it now, but I was like, like, I was really intrigued. I was like, I want to know what happens in the next section of the story, (laughs) you know? And I was asking you about it afterwards. And I was like, oh, like, where did you hear this story? Like, where did you learn this? And you were just making it up on the spot. I know exactly what you're talking about because it was, again, with the babies, like the eight-year-olds. I took a whole week to tell this story. Oh, I was so proud of myself. And it started as the Princess Bride, but then I couldn't remember. <laughs> I, like, I got to a certain point, and uh, I couldn't remember what happened in the movie. And um, so I just, I, just, I just chucked it, and I just went along with whatever I could think of. Oh, it was such a, such a good memory because it, it got everybody quiet. I think even one day the, the counselor was in there and I still came in to tell the story. So it wasn't like their, their long night. And he even was put to sleep with, with the story. Uh, I felt like such a superhero after that. Uh, I'm so glad you remember that because, uh, yeah, again, it's one of my fondest memories, um, from, from my time at Moose Pine. Did you finish the story? Like, was there an ending to it or did it? Was it like a never-ending story kind of thing? Like, there's always another part because you can always just add on something extra. Um, mm. I had to have because I would have known that like Friday was the last the last night. But then again, maybe mm. I didn't tell it on Friday. Maybe Thursday was my last time telling it. I just <laughs> I really like that idea of like making up a story and like adding all these sections, and then like because you're making it up, there's no ending, so you just. <laughs> The kids are forever wondering, oh, I wonder what happened at the end of that story. You Whatever know? happened to the what Princess was, was Bride? The conclusion? Right. Um, you know, so, sometimes in life you don't get a succinct conclusion. Heavy days. Speaking of succinct conclusions, that is the end of part one of our episode with Diesel. Thanks for listening in. Uh, you'll get part two coming up. In the meantime, you can follow us on our Instagram at this one time at Summer Camp Pod. Or you can send us an email uh, at this one time at summercamppod at gmail.com. And 
write in, you know, if you're lucky, we'll read it out. If you're not, unlucky. And I guess we will see you there. Mm -hmm.